You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech, that's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team, no heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hard truth. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzer. I'm totally going to use that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast here on The Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lutzer. I am your host, but I am joined by two very wonderful and capable hosts, and we also have a wonderful special guest today. Joining me in co-host seat number one, you know him, you love him, he wrote the theme song for At The Diner. His name is MC Brooks. Sure did. We've also got in co-host seat number two, beautifully talented visual artist, uh, also incredibly knowledgeable when it comes to all things geeky and nerdy, so much so that we named him The Professor. His name is James Rambo. Uh, hi, hi. We also have our special guest. You know him. You love him. He's got his own show, his own media empire, if you will, called The Fantastic Forum. Uh, You can catch him today on WERA at 4 p.m. It's WERA.FM, or if you're in the Arlington listening area, it's 96.7 FM. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. Thank you so much for including me, you guys. This is a lot of fun hanging out with you. We are always happy to have you, Yuli. Let's talk comic books. So one of the things that I love about comic books is that it's an incredibly deep art form. It's not just superheroes. It's not just action adventure. There's so much more to it. In fact, some of the art that comes from comic books is some of the best art that I've ever seen in my life because you're able to tell a visual story and you're able to tell it in a different way. And like, for instance, I'm looking at one right now. I have a hardcover of a comic book called uh, Who Killed Kurt Cobain? And it is an incredibly interesting story. The art is beautiful. And, like, I don't think you could have told that in any other way. Maybe you could have done a, a cartoon. Maybe you could have done something different. But, like, that is one of my favorite um, pieces that I have. It's still here. Um, I actually, right next to it, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I also have a hardcover of The Death of Superman. Not because it was the greatest, most amazing story ever, but it was impactful to me as a kid being like, I can't believe they killed Superman. That was mind blowing. How could you do something like this? That's what I love about comic books. And I love that recently, especially because of the boom, we've seen some amazing things come out. So I want to talk about those. Um, I want to kick it off with with uh, Rambo as because he I mean, of, of all of us, um, he worked in a comic book shop for many years. So I want to kick it off with you, Rambo, because also this was this was your idea. So I feel like you should be the one kind of uh, grabbing this by the uh, grabbing the bull by the horns and kind of leading us forward here. Kick us off and start with with kind of what inspired you to talk about this, but also too like what are some of your favorites, and we'll go from there. Uh, I mean, I just it was it really came down to the fact that um, 
superhero movies and, and TV series, people hear people hear comic books and they think superheroes, which is fair, but that ends up becoming, uh, you know, the, the perspective becomes, oh, superheroes are comics and that is the genre, or that that, that, that is the medium. And superheroes are one of many genres within comic books. Like you can tell all manner of stories. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about, you know, uh, one sort of like, like shine light on some some uh, adaptations that people might not be super familiar with, um, and acknowledge and, and point out the fact like you know these all come from comics, um, but two just like acknowledge like the, you know here are the things that we really dig that aren't necessarily people in tights and flying around punching each other. Yeah. So uh, one of the ones I always go back to, um, and I am. No one ever knows that this was from a comic. Uh, is Road to Perdition? Uh, Tom Hanks gangster movie starring uh, Sam Mendes gangster movie starring Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, Daniel Craig, uh, a young Tyler Hecklin um, in a, in maybe his first film role. Um, it's the first time I was I was ever intimidated by Tom Hanks. Um, I, I had never seen him be someone who, who could be kind of threatening and scary before. Um, but yes, you know, story of a, a, a hitman for the Irish mob who, um, the, the son of the, uh, the godfather, so to speak, uh, is a piece of garbage and puts him and, and a bunch of other people in, in, uh, a really unfortunate situation um and has a hit put out on him so it is you know gangster uh mike sullivan and his his son the only surviving members of his family uh on the run from the irish mob uh and trying to uh take down as many of the uh the, the other respective mafias uh uh like financial strongholds as possible so they're just running around chicago like Robin Banks, uh, in order to to get as much attention as they can. It's an it's Sam and his second movie. It's an absolutely fantastic story. Um, I mean Jude Law. Jude Law is is one of the the villains of the movie. Um, it's wonderfully cast, incredibly well acted, beautifully shot, uh, and it is based on a comic by Max Allen Collins, um, and the artist whose name I am blanking on. But uh, but yeah, good stuff all around. I've actually never seen the movie and I, oh, need to, dude. I need to remedy this because like, I love Tom Hanks and like, like you said, the first time you've ever been intimidated by him. Cause I always think of him as like America's dad. Like, sure. Absolutely. There, yeah, there's this great scene where he's, he's, uh, uh, Mike has been sent to go and like collect some money from uh, like a nightclub owner. And he shows up at the club and the guy working security looks at him. He doesn't quite see him. He sees him for distance and he, and he like, you know, he mouths off about something, you know. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact line, but he, he, he comes into the light and the guy just stops. And he goes, you know who I am? He says, yes, sir, I do. He says, okay. And he comes down the stairs and he gets to the door and Mike looks at him and he goes, you going to frisk me? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, come on, man, like, do your job. <laughs> but it's this it's this great, like, 
the the elder statesman uh, talking to someone who like you know some like you know relatively young hotshot in the in the, in the field, uh, being like this is this is how this is supposed to go, man. Like you know what you're supposed to do. Um, but yeah, uh, fucking Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci's in it too. There's so many great performances and there's so many wonderful actors in this movie. Jennifer Jason Leigh. Um, and yeah, it's it's very much worth your time. Excellent. Yeah. Um, MC, what do you got for us, man? What's a uh, a non-superhero comic book adaptation that you really enjoy? All right, this is going to be a little bit controversial. Maybe not to you guys, but just on the internet because you know how the internet is. Um, internet and there's controversy. <laughs> of course. Um, for, so this was this is kind of a hard question. This was a hard thing for me because you know you you guys know I wasn't a big big comic reader growing up, so I didn't really have too 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 much to draw from. So like what I have on my list is 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 fairly fairly recent. Um, and but it is something that I that I did actually start reading like a couple years ago and then never actually got around to finishing. And that is the uh, the Netflix TV series, The Chilling Adventure, Adventures of Sabrina. Which I personally really, really enjoy. I kind of like the the darker take on the on the characters. I mean, I obviously grew up I grew up watching you know the the animated series and then the uh, original adaptation with uh, Melissa Joan Hart and, and company way back then. Um, but much like when we were talking about the Batman earlier, and I was like, you know, I, I like seeing characters. You know, I, I'm cool with like different versions, different adaptations, different depictions of characters. I like this much darker take on the on the on the Sabrina series, and from what I've what I've seen of the comic, they 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 did adapt most of that for the show when the show was actually still still active. Um, but I thought it was really dope. I mean, I, just in general, I like very, I generally like you know witchy occult stuff. <laughs> um, so if if that's in it, I'm probably I'm probably going to like it. But I found a lot of the performances to be pretty pretty good. Um, I was not annoyed by Sabrina simply because, you know, teenagers do dumb stuff. So like, <laughs> her being a teenager is like, of course she's of course she's gonna do dumb shit with powers. If I had if I had like magic abilities at fourteen, I probably would have done some dumb shit with my friends too, because no shit. Um, but overall, like I I haven't finished the the final season, but from my understanding, they. The uh, the original aunts from the original series did make an appearance in the oh, final season of the did? show. Yeah. Oh man. That's I don't know if Melissa Joan Hart uh, if she showed up at all, but I know the the aunts definitely showed up in the final season of the show, and I, I found it very interesting and like I kind of liked that we got to see um, that was kind of our introduction to. Uh, I'm blanking on her on her name, but she was in uh, the most recent season of You that we watched. Um, she plays Prudence, which is a black witch in, uh, in, in, um, in Sabrina. And, you know, like we generally until very recently didn't really get very many depictions of, you know, black people that participate in witchcraft and hoodoo and stuff like that. So like always appreciated that not only her, but, um, I think Art, I think his name's Artemis. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but I, I appreciated getting depictions of those uh, of um, depictions of those two getting brought to the screen, and also Artemis being a bisexual black man, which is also not something we generally get to see with with that kind of media. So, yeah, um, very big fan of the series. Um, I need to finish the final season, but you know, I enjoyed it. I've been meaning to check it out. It looked interesting. 
uh, Ambrose. Ambrose. Yeah, Bowman. Ambrose. Ambrose. Yeah. Now. And uh, yeah. Tati Gabrielle is the name Tati, of the actor. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna say I, was, I thought I was, I was gonna say Tatiana. I was like that doesn't sound right. It's close, but it's not that. But yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Mr. Campbell, what about you, man? Okay, so are we talking more about? I mean, okay, uh, is it that we liked the comic book source material? Or we liked the adaptation. The adaptation. Oh, okay. Well, that actually takes some stuff out because what I have generally found in terms of the uh, adaptations, television movie adaptations of uh, comic source material, a lot of the time I prefer the comic source material, and I'm extremely disappointed at the adaptation, Um, particularly, you know, and I know this is the exact opposite of what you're asking about, Leave Extraordinary Gentlemen, because this was a beautiful comic, and they fucked up the movie so badly. All they had to do was just take what was in the comic and do that. But, um, no, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, (laughs) A history of violence, um, you know, which I was surprised, ultimately, when I found out that had been a comic. But um, really enjoyed that film. I mean, because, <laughs> you know, Viggo Mortensen uh, is, is really good in that. Uh, you know, um, Ed Harris. I mean, and the story is uh, really powerful. And, you know, the idea of this guy, this guy who's, uh, you know, trying to escape his old life and find some measure of redemption. But his old life just won't let him go, you know. So, um, you know, and, and I like I like this because... I, I think when you talk about comic book adaptations, but that aren't connected to the superhero stuff, and that's one of the reasons why I thought Road of Perdition, and I'm uh, sorry that Rambo took that one because I had that one on my list too. Uh, you know, <laughs> but the fact that you know these things don't—I mean, for the more casual observer, they don't ordinarily see this stuff as uh, people are surprised when they find out that these were based on comics. And it's like, what, really? You know, I mean, where even something like um, uh, Valerian, uh, you know, based on the uh, the French comic strip uh, Valerian and Lauraline or uh, Snowpiercer, actually, another one, you know, which uh, uh, in, and I know the, the TV series is kind of more based on the movie than, you know, that uh, comic series also. But, you know, stuff like that is a little the more fantastical kind of sci-fi stuff, that's a little easier for people to believe is comic-based. But, you know, folks don't necessarily always understand that, hey, you know, there's a lot of good stuff that comes from comics. And, you know, the medium is so versatile that it allows people, artists and writers, to tell so many different stories. And, uh, you know, the uh, Hollywood people plumb these for new material, with some regularity, but, uh, but yeah, you know, those are just a couple of off the cuff things that I thought might be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, because of the, the times that we live in, I want to start with my first mention. I'm not even, this is not even going to be the one that, that I I speak of the most, uh, mouse. You need to read it. If you haven't Mm. read it, it, wait, no, there's no adaptation. I'm sorry. Um, why is there not? That's surprising. Probably because of the nature of the source material. You know yeah, I, I think, mean, this I is like Spiegelman has been very, very careful about because um, there's there's definitely been pitches 
yeah. and to do it yeah. as an animated short as well, or an animated short, but an animated film as well. And Spiegelman is not just talking about the Holocaust; he's talking about his specific family and right. their experience. Yeah, in it. and that's that's probably it's a very personal story. So yeah. yeah, if you're not willing to sell it, a lot of the time the Hollywood people aren't interested in buying it. You know, I mean, they they will sell us the the rights to this, and we can do with it yeah. what we want. But Spiegelman, and you're right, Rambo, it's such a personal kind of thing, you know, based on his family that he's not like he ain't just gonna give you carte blanche. To yeah. do whatever the fuck yeah. you want and take sure. a check, and know, then, sure. and then conversely, while, while similar in terms of it being personal and not, but not nearly to the same degree, um, uh, shit, Bill Larson, Jesus, uh, Bill mm. Larson uh, has refused steadfastly to to allow any adaptations of Calvin and Hobbes, um, but he was always willing to. Sure, you want to fly me out to California for a couple days and put me up in a four star hotel. Dope. Let's do it. What's your pitch? No, that's terrible. We'll never do that. <laughs> and just shoot down every single one of them. That's, that is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite adaptations, though, um, honestly, like right now, and it might be recency bias, but like I really enjoyed Sweet Tooth. I thought Sweet Tooth was fantastic, and it worked in yeah, reverse. Good one. Yeah, it worked in reverse where I watched the series, really enjoyed the shit out of the series. And like, am going into reading the graphic novel, like because it's I enjoyed it so much. It was it was that good in my opinion. Like just absolutely like unique take on on a story. Like I love the way that they play this innocent child character, and and basically like throw him into an awful situation of the of where the world is at right now. And like I just I really really enjoyed it. I can't wait for a season two. Um, I've got more, but if I'm, I, I wanted to mention that one. That was like one of the ones that I really liked, but I remember being a kid and not really supposed to go see this movie, but I got to go see it anyways, because, um, one of my older cousins, thanks Donnie, by the way, um, signed off on taking me to go see it with him, um, was the crow. Yeah. That, that movie was so nineties. It had an awesome alternative rock soundtrack. Like that movie was dope. It was it was crazy. There just it was just absolutely phenomenal. And like I went back and I read some of the comic books at later as a kid, and I was like, this is a really really cool thing. And just remember being so upset that Brandon Lee had passed, and being like, man, I feel like he did this such a good job with this character, and we're never going to get to see it again. And all of those subsequent uh, sequels that they did, just none of them even came close none of them were nearly as good as that first one that first one was just like you ha- you managed to ca- catch lightning in a bottle and like being able to replicate that is just not something that i think is going to happen and they've talked about rebooting it i just don't see it happening well there was something special about brandon lee and uh, all the more tragic given his family history you know yeah. because uh, you know his dad was really special also and uh, you know both of them uh, dying at uh, a young age and um yeah no i, I I'm, I'm right with you on that yeah um yeah let's just kind of go around here but what other what other ones what other adaptations have you guys seen well, that you were go ahead there you go no i and i would have kept talking but i felt like i cut you off um and you know it's a shame because the, the one i'm going to mention the comic book is actually much better but that's what i was saying about the, and this is the problem with most of these comic book adaptations 
because as much as and I and I enjoyed the hell out of this one, but when I look back and read the comic, it was like I mean, and isn't that the case though always? I mean, something gets a book gets adapted into a movie or TV show, the book is better, you know. But again, uh, V for Vendetta, you know, based on the uh, Alan Moore uh, David Lloyd um, miniseries, but I really enjoyed that movie. I mean, I thought that uh, you know when I, I, I mean and. Even though they kind of changed up some stuff, uh, for what it was, I felt like I felt like it was okay. And uh, you know, I also happen to be a um, a big fan of uh, um, what's her face. Uh, wait a minute, wait. Um, Natalie and, Portman. Uh, yes, <laughs> Natalie Portman. Hugo Weaving. Uh, you know, I thought was really good with that. Um, uh, John Hurt as the uh, Sutler character. Um, you know the, uh, it, the you know it was just there there was a lot you know to this um, that uh, uh, Tim uh, Pigott Smith I think is as as Creedy he was really good I mean it was there was they did enough to convey the feeling of what Alan Moore had done you know but I mean it's it and frankly it's tough because I mean Alan Moore is. Um, is a difficult one to adapt because the stuff is so good. But um, yeah, V for Vendetta. I, I really like that one. I Alan Moore has a really rough track record with his stuff being translated. Yeah, like you like you mentioned, like it just, he just does not seem to get his stuff on <laughs> celluloid and it come out the way any I think any of his fans would want it or the, any way that he would want it. Um, I wanted to give a quick. Uh, Shout out to um, I'm just going to mention one that it people say it wasn't a good adaptation. I don't care. I love the shit out of Constantine with Keanu Reeves. I fucking oh, yeah. love that movie. I mean, that's the thing. It is a good adaptation. It's just not a good translation. Like mm. they wanted they wanted somebody who looked like Sting to be on screen, to be referred to as Constantine. Um yeah, they they and they weren't you know like oh wait, wait it's set in L.A. yeah it's set in L.A. it's a different it, it oh you can just just read the comic you just reread it like no one, <laughs> no one like it's like when they made the new Ghostbusters nobody took a, a magnet to your your Blu-ray like it's still there it, you can still you can still watch all of it um but uh yeah no the the fucking costume movie is dope. It is it is well made, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I I really enjoy it. Like, uh, it, Peter Stromer is that how you say his last name? Uh, Stromer, yeah. Yeah, him as the devil, just like, like I absolutely like he he plays that role so well, and he's like almost funny, scary but funny, and like yeah, I I've had this weird Peter Stromer like he keeps popping up and stuff. I was looking through because I was looking at who voiced Mr. Freeze in the Batman the Animated Series, and I looked at all of the different people who have done a voice for Mr. Freeze, and I saw Peter Stormare did it at one point, and I was like, okay, hang on, I don't even listen to this, and I was like, it's exactly what I was hoping for. It is <laughs> exactly <laughs> what I was hoping for, and like, honestly, now I'm kind of like, I might have to petition Matt Reeves, be like, yo, if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do Mr. Freeze, uh, take a look at Peter Stormare. I think he might be a good choice. <laughs> Hey, I got another one if you're interested. Yeah. 300. 
And, you know, again, uh, another case where I thought the comic was better. But uh, Frank Miller seems to be an easier one uh, to adapt his work, um, you know, because it, it's like he's done storyboards <laughs> for these movies yeah. with his art. But uh, but I really liked that movie 300. I thought the way that they presented that and the way they brought it to life. And, you know, it turns out I like that Gerald but Gerard Butler. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's crazy because. I, I, I like him better in 300 than I've liked him in pretty much anything. Although when he's playing the Secret Service guy in the, uh, what is it, uh, Olympus has fallen and London has fallen and whatever, eh, that's okay. But, you know, seeing him as Leonidas in those three in that 300 movie, that's just like, oh, man. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's really good. The Spartan King. I mean, and the although I, I did think it was a little over the top the way that they presented this in terms of, oh, we're saving the notion of Western civilization for the future and whatever. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know, but uh, it was um, it was still cool the way that they presented that, and I like that. And, hey, as long as uh, I'm, I'm talking about a Frank Miller adaptation, I'll throw Sin City in there because that was kind of disturbing. Um, and but But, again, well done. And, uh, you know, to have been adapted from a comic book, I mean, it's just, ooh, some really powerful yet twisted stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, MC, did you have any other ones that you that you really enjoyed? I know you said you're, you're still relatively new to this whole um, this whole comic book thing. But, like, were there any others that you were like, this one was, you know, I really enjoyed this adaptation? I mean, they all just, they all got listed in, like, the last five minutes. <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> well, I got uh, another one. Rambo, how about you and you and Yuli go back and forth? Because the only yeah, other sure. ones that I have on my list, no, you guys have already covered it. Well, no, I got one more. Um, We talked about Frank Miller, Sin City. I, yeah, I, I really... That. Oh, did you say? I, I know you said 300. <laughs> yeah, so I got nothing left. Okay, thanks. Good night, everybody. Since it was an interesting one in that I appreciated it as a visual experiment. But what bugged me was there were these moments, so much of that movie is a slavish devotion to the comic, right? Mm-hmm. And then they would deviate, and when they deviated, it would be for seemingly no reason. Like, there's there's a whole sequence where Marv is talking to uh, his parole officer, played by Carl Gugino, and they're both locked in this, uh, in this bathroom. And in the comic, Marv, like, she, she's explaining what's going on with, like, you know, the, the, like the actual sort of, like, it, it's, it's a big exposition scene. Um, and she's kind of freaking out, and, and, and Marv is like, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I'm not going to get killed down here, neither are you. And he shoulder checks the door, and it doesn't move. And so he backs up, and he runs, and he charges and nails the door. And it cracks, but it doesn't move. And he just keeps doing this over and over and over again until it finally breaks down. And the whole point of that is we're showing Marv is a big, dumb animal. He is incredibly strong, and he's very powerful, but he's not the smartest, you know, like he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, with that said, he's not going to be stopped. If he's got an idea in his head, he's got like a, pur- a purpose. There's no, like getting in his way is, is, is a huge mistake. 
And in the movie, you have the same scene, but you just have him go up to the to the window and grab the bars on the window and just pull until it breaks. And that has none of the impact huh. that the comic does. Like the 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 and I'm like you you were so careful to get all of the bandages right, you got like the shape of the shuriken, you got the layout of uh, uh, the composition of certain scenes to be exactly like certain panels, and that is one of the things you didn't bring. Okay, it looks cool, and like I get why a lot of people really dig it, but for me it, it, it's more. It's visually impressive, and I, I thought it was a really cool experiment, but I'm not a huge fan of the movie overall. Um, conversely, uh, things that take a lot of the visuals, visual cues from the comic, but still uh, uh, manage to kind of stand on their own, 30 Days of Night. 30 Days of Night is a horror story. Uh, it's based on a comic by Steve Niles and Ben Templesmith um, about... Uh, Barrow, Alaska, and how for a month out of the year, there is no sunlight. Uh, so a bunch of vampires get an idea like, well, hell, there's no sun. There's nothing to hide from. We just go up there and feast. So they show up right when the month starts, uh, and they're just slaughtering people the whole time. Um, one of the most visually interesting things in the movie is Ben Templesmith, the artist has this very, very particular, very stylized art. And um, his vampires look monstrous. And they have these kind of big almond, like, 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 like slit, like almond shaped eyes. And when they did the makeup for the vampires, they were sure to include that particular feature. So all of the vampires have a very distinct look that you don't see um, uh, repeated in other movies. Um, and I thought that was that was a really great callback to the to the story. Yuli, um, what you got? Um, well, I was uh, well. I, I got two. Um, I was going to say uh, Buckaroo Bonsai. Uh, and, well, and of course the movie was Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension. And um, you know, wonderful film starring Peter Weller. And it was originally going to be a series and it just didn't you know but it was kind of wacky and kind of funny and um you know sort of uh, a weirdly science fictiony interesting thing and has become a cult classic and again because uh, of the comic book source material i'm like hey you know it's like let's let's go ahead and embrace this thing as uh, a bit of uh, 80s uh, I don't even eighties. I, I I don't even know what adjective that I want to throw in there with that. Uh, but what the what other one based on? Um. Uh, well, wait a minute. Let me see here. <laughs> Let me see, because I, as far as I know, that was uh, uh, Buckaroo Bonsai. Wait a second, though. Uh. uh Let's not make a liar out of me here. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless that was actually a book. But uh, I think it was originally a book. All right. Yeah. So, well, then that then that wouldn't count. All right. So <laughs> hey, I, 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 I think yeah, W.D. Richter is the guy who wrote um, 
the oh wait no Earl Mac Roush. Earl Mac Roush was the guy who wrote uh, uh, I think it's called Dirty Pictures from the Prom, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was the the book that was based on. Which incidentally, there has been a sequel novel that was released. In the last oh really? Year. Yeah. Um, with a and, and the cover is phenomenal. I want to say like Ben Oliver or somebody did the cover for it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I haven't got a chance to to read it yet, but I'm excited too. Mm-hmm. But well, I, I mean, that makes total perfect sense. Like that's a great example. Like I, you know what? I'm happy to include this on the list. If for no other reason, this is a great example of taking from um, you know space age sci-fi stuff and you know like elements of like uh, Doc Savage and Batman and um, you know all these different kinds of of uh, uh, um, sci-fi and fantasy media. So it makes total sense that, like, you look at this and be like, oh, that's based on a comic book. Well, I appreciate, you know, you giving me the benefit of the doubt on that. Because most of this stuff, I was familiar with the comic book source material. But I have to to confess, I was sort of doing some research on the Internet before we did this show in preparation. Because, you know, I mean, the the subject is a little obscure, you know, the subject matter. Sure. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to bolster what I had. Uh, you know, with, um, you know, just looking some stuff up and I saw it on a list and yeah, I man. just, you know, where again, where generally I was checking, I, I did not now, but all right, <laughs> this, this next one <laughs> did, did check, found out. Yes. So, um, uh, edge of tomorrow, that movie, which yes. was based on a manga, all you need is kill. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not totally familiar with the manga, I will confess, but I did like the Tom Cruise movie, you know? It's like, on your feet, maggot! I mean, every time that comes on, I kind of want to see... <laughs> kind of want to see that, because uh, I've been very entertained by that movie, and uh, even even by the soundtrack. Uh, you know, there's... Um, uh, you know, it would... Uh, uh, we Love Me Again, I think, is uh, the... the uh, film uh, the pop song from the movie so yes yeah edge of tomorrow is yet another one mm-hmm. that movie's phenomenal um let's see the mask yes ah uh, uh, yes the mask is uh is, is is also a great example of an adaptation going in a very different direction um, because the mask, while not created by them, this, this is the essentially the the version of the story that is pulled from the most um, for the movie, uh, written by John Arcudi and Chris Warner, uh, written by John Arcudi, drawn by Chris Warner and Doug Monkey. Um, the the movie is you know it's very kind of lighthearted and fun and uh, and Stan Liepkiss is um, he's he's a he's kind of a milk toasty guy, but he's ultimately like a like a a, a nice enough dude. Um, the comic is violent as shit. Uh, the comic is like, hey, you know how Bugs Bunny just like pulls dynamite out from nowhere and throws it at people? What would happen if a person did that in reality? What if he carried um, around a giant mallet and smashed people on the head? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just like crushing people's fucking brain pans like uh, like watermelon like their goddamn Gallagher. <laughs> you mean they don't flatten out like in the cartoons? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they don't turn like into they, an accordion do, and accordion they just don't down pop the back road. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's so funny to to see those kind of things where you know the source material will be very clearly geared to specific audience, and then the adaptation will be like, what if we what if we made it for kids? Um, 
Uh, Men in Black is also uh, uh, yeah fairly I, similar. See, I saw that too, and I, I like I didn't realize that that was a comic first. It is a much smaller like that is from from very much from a time when it was like you know comic properties were starting to get hot, and so people were studios were buying up as many as they could from as many different people as they could, including a lot of indie artists and indie indie writers, um, because they were cheap. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, I, I'm, I've never actually read the Men in Black comic, um, but I'm pretty sure it was a little darker and a little more kind of self-serious. Um, whereas the movie is, you know, mostly a, a pretty straightforward uh, action comedy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see those those changes. And then you have things like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, where. <sighs> That I've, heard that's, I've heard that's comic. very good, though. It is fantastic, and it is essentially mm-hmm. just the comic on screen. Uh, that is a very, very faithful adaptation. Um, and, yeah, Brian Lee O'Malley was, was pretty happy. I mean, and, and, and this plays a large role. Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of the comic, was very heavily involved in the adaptation of the movie, uh, to the point where there is even a scene where... Um, <laughs> The scene where Scott is at the party and he's seen Ramona, but he doesn't know who she is. Um, and he's talking to, I can't remember the character's name, but he's talking to Aubrey Plaza. And he's like, there's a girl here who has, has there, have you seen a girl here who has hair like this? And he holds up, and he and does this quick drawing and he, and he holds it up. And it's just like scribbled out drawing. And before they shot it, uh, Edgar Wright was like, hey, Brian, uh, can you do a drawing of Ramona for Scott to hold up? And he just picked up a marker and did this garbage scribble drawing and handed it to him. And that's the one they use in the movie. Wow. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I just, and that'll have to be for another episode. I just like, I've tried to watch that movie so many times, but all the people who tell me it's so good. And I love the comic. They're just the biggest D bags on the face. <laughs> of the planet. And like, I just have, it's so hard for me to like detach those people from that and it's just like oh it's it's the best cut shut up i hate you and i hate this movie therefore because you said that it's good just Mm. ah fuck off (laughs) yeah sometimes it it, it's hard to and again because frequently the comics are better than whatever the adapted material is you know i mean and uh, you know but but again sometimes and it's it's crazy because I, i i find personally I have more fun with the adaptations if I don't know about the comic. And and I sort of got into an argument with somebody about this because since the book is always better than the movie, um, why not look at the movie first and then you read the book? And yes. in fact, I'll tell you what it was, um, you know, that. where I really got into a disagreement with somebody about this. Um, but it wasn't exactly movie versus book, but it was that adaptation that Netflix did of the anime thing, um, uh, crap. Cowboy, it was Cowboy Bebop. Yes, Cowboy Bebop, exactly. I and, remember, um, I remember Shireen. Like I've I've heard Shireen angry before. I've never actually heard Shireen that angry at anything, let alone a television. She was so mad. She was like, "This is an insult." This, like, I mean, it just it was like listening to a lawyer. She was like, "It was disparaging." I was like, "Damn, she was disparaging." This yeah, it really bad. Yeah, apparently it wasn't a particularly good adaptation, um, you know, taken on its face. And I mean, some of the stuff looked like the uh, anime, but 
you know, it had none of the actual spirit of the anime. But what yeah. I was saying was, well, if that's the case, then look at the Netflix show first and then look at the anime and you can enjoy them both. And she was like, no, don't look at the Netflix show at all. <laughs> it's like, no, there's none of that. No. It's like, it's just accepted as just something different. Like, it's just, it's just, it's different. And that, like, I agree that it misses the spirit of the, of the original show, but also I had fun watching it. Like, I just, I just didn't, t- I just, it, for me, it's like just, just this Earth 2 Cowboy Bebop, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so you just, had had familiar with the, familiarity with the anime before you watched the Netflix show? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, oh, uh, okay. Cowboy Bebop was one of the first things that I, one of the first anime I remember yeah. watching when, uh, in high school, when, like, when I really started getting into, like, Tsunami and Adult Swim and, and, mm. and whatnot. So, like, I remember it, and, and I recently, I started rewatching it, uh, like, last year before the, before the adaptation even had uh, had come out, um, but like like I think like I think it's just for what it is, it's fine. I mean, anime in general is just it's it's a hard thing to do live action adaptations of, which is why yeah. so many of them fail. So like whenever you get whenever you get them, for me, I'm just like like am I just am I entertained by 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 what I'm watching at, at a bare minimum if I can be entertained by it then like okay whatever I can just accept it as this alternate thing from from what from whatever it is but um yeah that's yeah I I, I agree though it it's uh it is very it feels very different than than the original I think it could have been done well but you know it wasn't Mm. Well, and I'm, I, I was going to ask somebody, but then I just decided to like freaking look it up. But I see that there is a, a manga and, yeah. um, you know, it looks, although it looks like the manga came out after the anime from what I'm yeah. seeing here. So it looks like anime was like late nineties and the manga was like early two thousands. So, so that wouldn't count then in terms of <laughs> being able to include it here. But, um, one that I was uh, that I was gonna mention. Well, actually, I, there were two more that I was that I was gonna mention. Um, Barbarella, of course, the uh, popular movie with um, uh, uh, oh crap! And now I'm not I'm blanking on her name too. This is terrible. Jean I'm Bonner. looking at a freaking picture. Yeah, yes, wait. Um, I was talking over you. Um, what's his face's daughter? Fonda. Fonda. Yes, Peter yes. Fonda's daughter. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, from the very popular uh, French comic. And, um, you know, I mean, this was because it was kind of sexy, too. You know, and it's like, oh, man, wait, Jane Fonda's like, you know, showing some body there. And she was still young and fresh back then, you know, when that movie came out. And, uh, you know, so I was and, and it was science fiction, too, which didn't hurt it at all. Uh, but the other thing I was going to mention was Wanted. And, you know, again, where the comic was much, 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 much better, but I was entertained by the movie, <laughs> nevertheless, you know, and it had some good actors in it, um, you know, so, uh, I mean, because, hell, anything with, like, James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie and Morgan Freeman, how can you go wrong, you know, with this thing? And, um, you know, so they kind of didn't. But, again, if you were familiar with the original source material, you might feel as if you were kind of cheated by what they were giving you. So, uh, but again, as is so frequently the case with these things failing to live up to uh, the promise of whatever the original source material is. We are unfortunately out of time, um, but as always, Mr. Campbell, let me thank you again for for coming on and uh, 
contributing to our conversations that we were having about all the geeky and nerdy things that we love. Hey, since I did it last time, I'll let you do it this time. If they wanted to hear more things, Ulysses E. Campbell, where might they do this per chance? Oh, well, thank you so much. There's a uh, there's a website, fantasticforum.tv, and we have actual, because Fantastic Forum, in addition to being a radio show uh, and a podcast based on the radio show, but it's also a television series, and you can watch complete episodes of the TV series by going to the website. We also have broken out into segments, the toy and game profiles, the interviews, the event coverage, uh, the special features, all these wonderful things from Fantastic Forum, uh, you know, so you don't have to sit through an entire episode if you don't want to. And, oh, also, if you're interested in seeing what James Rambo actually looks like, you can do that because he has been a guest frequently on the TV show. Um, also, um, it, you can uh, tune in to the radio show which comes on on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia each and every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. and first run and also the show re-airs each and every Thursday on WERA from 3 to 4 p.m. so you can check it out there and the show is also available as a podcast thanks to these wonderful gentlemen with whom I am conversing and you can catch that on the Great Geek Refuge platform. And we are so grateful that that is uh, such a wonderful and a, dare I say, a primary um, uh, source of um, promotion for the, uh, for the whole project. And I'm very grateful to be included in this number with these guys. We're happy to have you, man. Um, while we're doing plugs here, uh, Mr. Brooks, you have been a busy man. You have two podcast episodes that people can listen to outside of At the Diner. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, I want you guys to check out, uh, it is GGR Post Game. This is now MC's uh, baby. Uh, he has been promoted to our director of all things sports podcasting and such. So congratulations to Mr. Brooks on his promotion. But he's going to be running uh, the post game um, podcast that we have where we talk about sports. He's got great guests on there, but he's also got his uh, his solo joint, uh, The Overflow with MC Brooks. You guys should check that out as well. Um, Mr. Rambo, I know is uh, him and I are working on some other things, so there'll be some cool s solo stuff coming from him, but uh, we're going to be teaming up for that. Um, so not really solo, more of a duet, if you will. Um, but yeah, lots of cool things coming up here uh, on the great geek refuge we've got a new podcast we've got the gamer den that's with jess and russ you guys should check that out that comes out every other monday so every two weeks you'll be seeing a new episode from them uh but for all of us here at the great geek refuge we love you we appreciate you thank you so much for tuning in and remember together there are no heights that we can't reach Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, 
for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.